Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evil doers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, because my enemies make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsel. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Praise be to God. If you have your Bibles, let's, let's go uh, Jeremiah 33. If you're looking for Jeremiah, it's about midway uh, in your Bible. Um, as you're making your way there, let me, let me kind of bring you up to speed in where we are Really, in, in these weeks, uh, we, the new year kind of offers an opportunity for people to begin afresh, right? Uh, I don't know where you are in your resolutions. I don't know if you've abandoned them. I don't know if you're strong. I don't know if you're waning. Uh, but, but, but we make decisions around this time of year based on uh, our priorities and really our desires, which we help, we hope, will help us grow in, in stronger and healthier uh, ways so that we can be stronger and healthier versions of, of ourselves. And, and for many, what will happen during this time is, is we will uh, have a desire to, to know more of God, which I think is, is always a great place to start, or, uh, or we will want to serve in more intentional ways. And, and in order to do that, we realize, and I don't know if we if we play it out this way necessarily every time, but, but we know that when things have to change, the things that have to change are the practices of our lives or, or the disciplines of our life. And, and to establish practices which w- will hopefully help us be more firmly rooted in the gospel. Now, now for some, this can be as easy as adjusting time and, and adjusting some priorities, and, and for others, it requires us to do a little bit of, of heavier lifting. Uh, and, then, and then there's some of us who really just struggle on, where do I start? Uh, where, where do I, how do I do that? And, and my prayer for us as a church is that we would be committed to, uh, to, to growing really deeper with God. And then that would secondly have an effect on the fruits of our lives. That, that's not, I didn't create that approach. We're not writing a book on that approach. It's already been written. Uh, what, what the Bible says is that when Jesus changes your life, he changes everything about your life. And so the fruit that comes out of you uh, should reflect more on him. Now, where we, where I have been hoping to press on us is simply asking this question, when it comes to the fruit of my life, are people who are far from God finding life in Jesus? 
Um, am I being vocal with my mouth? Am I being uh, vocal in my service to other people so that those who are far from God uh, can find life in Jesus? Because that's really just the pressing of every Christian. Uh, that's, the, that's the job description. Uh, and so, to that end, what we're doing is we're walking together through, through four practices uh, which will help our faith grow when we are engaging with them. Now, just knowing these four practices aren't the same, right? Uh, it's one thing to know how to do a bench press. It's another thing to actually do the bench press. You with there? Uh, and so, so these practices are what we're talking about. How do we put them into practice? And each week what we're doing is we're, we're talking about the importance of the practice, and then we're going to talk about a practical way that this practice can be put into play. So, so where we were last week, if you remember, uh, we talked about the importance of the Word of God. That, that really it's the foundation for every belief because it's where God reveals His ultimate truth to us. And then we talked about uh, a practical way to engage with the Word. I, I, hope, I hope it was help, has been helpful to you this week if you never heard of the acronym Space Pets. Uh, but, but I hope that, that you were able to walk through this very um, intentionally. Uh, and asking God to speak as you open His Word. Now, uh, next week we're going to talk about the role of service. Uh, then we'll talk about the role of worship. And then, but today we're going to talk about prayer. When you say, okay, I need a fresh start, uh, one of the things I would recommend to you uh, after I tell you to read your Bible, and I tell you, commit to prayer. That you would commit to this daily, ongoing practice of speaking with God regardless of the circumstance of the moment, regardless of the season uh, that, that you find yourself in. Again, I hope, I hope what we are able to do is be better equipped for each practice so that we can grow deeper in our affections uh, for Jesus. And, and I love where we were. We won't, we won't turn there, uh, but, but I love what Kelly just read uh, in Psalm 5. Because now, if you open up the psalm, it's basically just prayers that are written now. But I, I love... What, what Kelly read in Psalm 5, because simply what it does is it runs to the gauntlet of emotions uh, that we typically carry in each and every day of our lives. That, that there's a tension that's given toward the majesty and the power of God in, in verses 1 through 3. Uh, there's an acknowledgement of the holiness of God and, and His disdain for, for wickedness in verses 4 through 6. There's the, the choice that's made toward holiness and walking with God in verse 7 and 8. And then we, we go back to frustration. You ever been there, right? You ever been talking to somebody and then you think you're done with the frustration? And they're like, nope, here it comes back out, right? And that's what happens. We, we come back to the frustration and, and this desire for God to defend our cause in, in verses 9 and 10. And, and then finally, we're brought to this place of, of praise and thanksgiving, as the psalmist notes, really the, the movement of God in his life and, and, and God's love for his children in verses 11 and 12. And, and it's a beautiful, I don't know if this is you, but I get exposed in these moments because it's a beautiful snapshot of the human heart. Right? God, I love you, but God, this is hard. God, I, I, I think you're super, but God, I wish you would just... just drop kick my enemies right and that's simply what prayer is uh the prayer i read it this way that, that prayer is bringing 
and resting our case with God. It's bringing and resting our case. It's saying, hey God, uh, not that you're not aware, but I want to bring this to you. And, and I find this to be very true in my life. That, that, that prayer will acknowledge really my, my inability to affect change that I long to see. Whether that be circumstantial or emotional or spiritual or even physical. And, and it will place those requests inside the throne room of the heavens with the loving Father who, who, who has invited me to speak and has promised to answer. Okay? Now, now prayer is, is perhaps one of the greatest but least utilized weapons in the Christian arsenal. Uh, we, really it is. And in fact, there, there's this old hymn called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And, and Joseph Scriven wrote it. And he says this. He says, he says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Everything. And, and I have found, I, I don't know if this is you, but I have found in seasons of my life uh, how, how the size of my prayers reflect my belief in the size of my God. Uh, for instance, if, if I feel distant from God, now, now that's not to say I am distant, because I have promises that He will never leave me nor forsake me, but there are times that it's easy to feel distant, and in those seasons my prayers are typically much smaller. Right? That, that if we're honest, that, that there are some prayers that we pray, at least some prayers that I pray, that, that if I would just get off the couch, if I would just put a little bit of action into it, I don't really need God to move on my behalf. I just need to do what He's told me to do. And then, then there are these other seasons where I feel Him being very close to me and I notice a deepening and a, and a refining in my prayer life where, where my heart steps more in line with the prayers I see laid out on the pages of my Bible. And, and now, 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 Richard Foster wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. It's great. I just, just finished it. It's like a zillion years old. Um, but, but it is really helpful when it comes to some of these disciplines. And one of the disciplines he talks about is, is prayer. And he says, he says, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of spiritual life. It says, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is most central because it ushers us into the perpetual communion with the Father. It says, meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Study transforms our mind, but it is the discipline of prayer that brings us into deeper and highest, into the deepest and the highest work of the human spirit. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. Some of you are like, ah, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe, maybe I should commit to the practice of prayer more often. I think, I think prayer is, is a discipline it's a, that we grow in. I think one of the most interesting spots we find in the Gospel of Luke is, is chapter 11. We don't have to turn that. I'll tell you, because we're going to get there at some point this year. Uh, but, but what happens is, is the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they see how he prays, and they say, hey, will you teach us to pray like you pray? Which is really fascinating when you think about it, because here you have these Jewish men who would have prayed their whole lives. And yet they see something in the way that Jesus prays, that they say, hey, teach us what you're doing, because... Apparently what we're doing isn't 
either it's not working or it isn't as effective as your prayers are. And, and so, so here you have these guys that, that know that there's something about the, the quality and the quantity of what Jesus is praying. And they say, hey, teach us. And he does. Because it's a practice. And so, so prayer is, is a discipline, and disciplines grow intentionally by putting them into practice. But, but now, we need, to be, we need to be careful, we need to be mindful, because prayer isn't a vending machine. Okay? It's not you put your coins in, then you press D5, and then you get out exactly what you wanted out of it. Right? If that's not the way prayer has ever been designed. I don't know who told, you, who told us that, but it's really easy, isn't it? It's really easy to believe that that's the intention of prayer. That I tell God what I want, and then he, tell, he gives it to me immediately. Um, actually, he gives it to me before I needed it. Um, but that's fine. We'll overlook that, that little offense. I think that may be some of our biggest complaints about prayer in this room because prayer, it's, it's not a machine uh, that we need to understand. And what we need to know is, is why. Why are we motivated toward prayer in the first place? And we can go a lot of places in the Bible, and I've decided this morning we're just going to go with one. Uh, we're going to go really with just one verse, and I'm, I'm really hesitant about just having one verse Sundays uh, because I'm a big fan of context, right? Uh, and I think it's really dangerous when we take this half of this verse and then we meld it with this half of this verse, and, and then next thing we know, we've created a, a doctrine that's just unbiblical and it's false. And so, so, but, but my intention this morning is to give us one verse in hopes that it will find a place in our hearts and it will live there forever. Okay, that, that after we walk through this one verse, that it would be here so that we know why we are motivated to pray in the first place. All right. And, and so so for that, we're going to go Jeremiah uh, chapter 33. Uh, now, a little bit of context. Okay, uh, Jeremiah uh, was a prophet of God who was placed into God's story in an incredibly, incredibly difficult time for the nation of Israel. Uh, in fact, uh, he, he was commissioned by God to do really two things. To say, number one, great trouble for the nation was on the horizon. And then, to, number two, to remind them that God is still putting into motion the new covenant um, with, with this nation through Jesus. And, and now, and what, what seemed to be his overarching message was saying, uh, really, to uh, the nation of Israel, it's like, hey, the Babylonians are coming to take over. Like, I, I'm giving you over to them. Uh, and now, what I want you to know is this wasn't the result of me letting you down. This wasn't the result of me um, forsaking you. This is the result of, of my warning to you, your unwillingness to repent, and your unwillingness to turn your heart to me. And I told you, and I warned you, this would be the case. Now, imagine... You wake it up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and God's saying, hey, I want you to go tell that to the, all the peoples, right? So Jeremiah has an incredibly difficult uh, process uh, and a difficult charge over his life. And so, so but, but what we find in, in chapter 33 is God begins to remind Israel of his great love for them, and he promises peace. He's like, hey, guys, this is, this is going to get hard. But here's the promise that overrides even the hardness of that season. And he comes in, and, and, and 33 opens with saying, basically, uh, Jeremiah, the word of the Lord is going to come to Jeremiah while he's locked up. 
All right, uh, you're typically locked up when you say things that you don't that people don't want to hear. Uh, it's a home in prison, right? And so, so he is locked up, and then it says this in verse 2, and, and it, we, we go to verse 2 so we can get to verse 3, because 2 is, is really important for us to build a foundation on. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Okay, now, now we, we bring verse 2 in because we, what we want to do is God is going to remind Jeremiah how the same God who established the earth in creation, the same God of Genesis is the same God speaking to him in this very next phrase. Right? It's, it's kind of like him saying, hey, here's my credentials, so when I say what I'm about to say next, you know that I'm somebody important. So, so he comes in, and so, so by extension, what that means for us is the same God who speaks to Jeremiah, reminding him that he created all, is the same God who speaks this invitation into this very room. All right? So he comes in, and he says this. Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. Now this is a great model for the purpose of prayer. That, that we pray to God, God answers us, we are changed by Him. Right? So, so that, that being true, I don't want us to kind of drive by too quickly past this, this invitation. We're going to see it very quickly in, in three parts. Right? So the far, part one is simply this, that God invites us to pray. And you're like, well, that's, that's, that's how deep we're getting today, right? Uh, God <laughs> invites me to pray. Call to me. And now, what this isn't, it's not like two people running into each other at Walmart and ending that conversation with, hey, you call me and we'll set something up. That's not what, what this is. This isn't, an in, this isn't an option. This is an invitation. That, that God's not offering this um, in any other way of saying, hey, reach out to me. Speak to me in your circumstance, in your season. Bring what you are feeling. Bring what you are thinking. Bring what you are needing insight for to me. Call to me. And this is an amazing invitation considering uh, the last song that we sang, right? Considering who he is and who we are. But yet perhaps we still find ourselves lacking for many reasons. I think, I think one of the top reasons why, why we object to praying or why we don't put prayer into practice is that uh, sometimes our, our worldliness will get in the way of our prayers. Right? We don't forget to eat. We don't forget to shower. We don't forget to binge watch TV. We don't forget to tell Facebook when we're going to the bathroom. But when it comes time for prayer, we're like, I'm really busy. It's been a busy day. No, just, just me. That's cool. You're all looking at me all snootied. When it, when it comes to prayer, so often, as, as Charles Spurgeon would, would say, that we have hours for the world, but only moments for Christ. So being able to identify that, right? My worldliness gets in the way. I'm too busy for prayer. I mean, the honest truth is, you're not too busy. You can just go on your screen time and that will prove that you got the time. Right? Sometimes our, our sinfulness 
blocks our way. I think unconfessed, unrepentant sin is possibly the number one reason why we struggle in consistent prayer. Because it, it, it's, it's the, it, you've ever seen the commercial? Uh, this might be dated now. Um, commercial where a husband and wife are talking uh, and, and the husband's kind of looking at her forehead and she's just kind of going on and on and on. And then you see the wife and, and she has a nail in her head, right? And, and he says, hey, I think the issue is that you have a nail in your head. And she's like, you're not listening to me, you know? And he's like, no, that's, that's really the issue. I think, I think oftentimes when it comes to prayer, that's the life we live in. When sin becomes the barrier, all of our conversations with God end up being him saying, hey, we got to deal with this. And we're like, you're not listening to me. I'm telling you what's wrong. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's this. And until we can deal with this, we can't advance really anywhere else in our, in our relationship. Now, when you're, and this is what I love about our Heavenly Father, he says, he says when you're willing to bring that to me, when you're willing to, to confess it, when you're willing to ask me, to restore you because of it? That answer is always yes and amen. But yet there are times that our sinfulness gets in the way of our prayer life and then we get frustrated with it. And then what happens when we get frustrated, we abandon it because it's too hard. And I think thirdly, I think uh, possibly our our unbelief kind of crushes our way, right? Unbelief will whisper what good is it to pray? You, you shouldn't seek God on this matter. Either it's, either it's too small for him to handle or it's too temporary to bother him with or it's too impossible to ask for his help in. And, and now all these things are lies, right? Unbelief in prayer is dangerous, but it's not deadly. Uh, because what you have to, uh, to overcome your unbelief in prayer, you simply just have to apply the word. Now again, that's a discipline. We've got to put that word in our hearts so that we might not sin against him. But, but, but we just come to these places in the word that says things like this. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. You people, pour out your hearts before him. Seek you, the Lord, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. When it says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. When it says, pray without ceasing. When it says, come boldly unto the throne room of grace. When it says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So your prayers are always effective in the hands of your Heavenly Father. Always. So part one is God invites us to pray. He says, call to me. Part two is God promises to answer. Okay, now here's the thing. We can tread lightly, right? We don't have to walk on eggshells, but we can tread lightly here because I know the objections, because I am the objections, right? Uh, so, so God promises to answer. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And I think this is where many of us find issue with the whole practice of prayer, right? That, 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 that even though we see him promise a response, we don't think God answers our prayers, at least not, again, not in the way we've told him to answer them. So what's left is us kind of standing, tapping our watches, uh, as if God was an intern trying to prove himself to the team. So, so, so we, have, we have three kids in our house. Uh, if you ask Misty, we have four kids uh, in our house. Um, but, but, even, 
anytime, anytime my kid asks a request, I, I always respond. Always. Right? Uh, Bear doesn't come up, ask me a question, and I just look off into the distance and just uh, completely ignore it. I always respond, and now it's my joy. It really is my joy as a father to provide for them. Uh, we, we try to operate in our house from a place of yes uh, as, a, as opposed to a place of no. So, so we want to work into the yes. And so it's my joy as a father to provide for them. And then on the other side, I guess, of the same coin, it's my obligation as a loving father at times to say no to requests that, that are either dangerous, unhealthy, unwise, even if they think otherwise. Does that sound, does that sound fair? None, none of my kids want to make eye contact with me right now. They're like, what? What's going on here? So it's my, my desire to say yes because of my love for them. And it's my obligation at times to say no or not yet because of my love for them. And this is, this is what we find in, in when it comes to prayer. So, so, so either God always responds, and if you don't feel that's the case, and let's, let's try to think through this lens. Why in the world would he call us to pray to him if he would be unwilling to respond to that prayer? Like, let's just think of it at, at that base level. Why would he say, call to me so I can ignore you? He doesn't do that, right? Either, either he's just being mean, which isn't his character, or we need to trust that he is being truthful and that through faith we wait patiently for his response. We could, we could go Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I think, I think we were here a couple weeks ago when, when, God, when Paul says this, that he, God, the Father, did not spare Jesus, his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So, so why send Jesus if God were simply going to save us and then ignore us? Now I get I get in the moment when you feel like God isn't answering your prayers that you're, you forget this. Why would he save you if he was going to ignore you? And, and so, so if you think that prayer is useless, then I think what ultimately you've done is you've completely misread the cross. You've completely misread Jesus. You've completely misread the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've completely misread the heart of the Father. And so, so the cross is this constant picture of God's willingness to, to walk with us in a restored relationship because he has the desire to care for us as a perfect father cares for his children. That's the imagery we find all throughout the Bible. So, so, so part one is, is God invites us to pray. He says, call to me. Part two, God promises uh, to answer. He says, and I will answer you. And then number three, part three, God reveals when we pray. God reveals when we pray. He says, I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So, so hear me when I say this. God, God's revelation is not his attempt for job security. It isn't. Uh, as we grow and as we're transformed into image bearers of Christ, God reveals more and more of his heart to us. There are, there are things he keeps hidden for us. Uh, he, there are things he keeps hidden for just the right time because he knows to reveal them sooner would affect 
where we'd be willing to go. I'll tell you, a good case study for that is the Israelites are, are leaving Egypt, right? Uh, they've done the let my people go, and then, then there's the death of the firstborn, and, and Pharaoh, for a moment, relents and says, just go, and, and the Israelites plunder Egypt, and as they're leaving, it says that, that God takes them on the scenic route, because to go through the lands of the Philistines, he said, uh, his concern would be for their courage, and that they would turn around, which we would find out is that every block that they have, their courage is revealed because they're like, we can go back. I mean, yes, it was slavery. Yes, it was, we were miserable. Yes, we were crying out to God, but at least we were certain that we were going to be miserable there. And so there are times that God reveals things, and there are times that God hides things, and part of the journey of faith is learning to trust in both circumstances. When you say, God, I don't understand, and he doesn't answer that immediately. Say, but I I want to understand. And so I wait for you. So so God reveals these, these great and hidden things in his time because he best knows what we need and when we need it. And I think one additional thing we need to keep in mind is that that when it comes to prayer is that is that we want prayers to be the speed of the microwave, uh, really for convenience, right? Um, but, but what we want when we pray a microwave prayer is it to taste like it's been sm- slow-cooked all night long. And you can't have both worlds. You can't. You get that, right? You can't microwave a steak and expect it to taste like you've spent the time on it. And so... So I think, I think one of the greatest truths I've read over the past couple of years is, is actually this book of Jeremiah. Um, because, because God gives them this warning. And he says, hey, you're going to be taken into captivity, but this isn't an episode, this is a season. All right? So, so you're going to spend 70 years there. So he says, he says, plant vineyards, man. He says, raise families. And he says, and at the end of those 70 years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release and I'm going to rescue you out of that. And, and now it's during this time that, that I, was, I was praying. This, was, this would have been early 2020. Um, but I was praying. And, and what, drew, what God drew my attention to was, was this understanding that, that we pray and we expect God to move in minutes when he's like, I'm the God of generations. That my glory is the one that I'm pursuing over all other needs in life. Now I get, I get that it's more difficult to sell you on that. I get that. Because what we want is, we want it quick, we want it easy, and we want it convenient. And that's just unbiblical. It really is. The purpose of prayer is not so much the request, as it is our proximity to the heart of the Father. Because what, what happens is the closer we are to Him, the more our prayers grow up. And again, and I say this lovingly, we all got to grow up. We all have space. So God comes in, Jeremiah 33, 3, and He says, Call to me, and I will answer, and I will tell you great and hidden things you do not know. I will, I will give you gold as I respond to you. So let's, let's start, we can start wrapping this up. Let's talk, let's talk application. 
All right. Last week I gave you space pets, uh, and I hope you carry that to your office and seem really deep and theological with it. Um, this week I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you another acronym. Uh, I don't know if we'll have an acronym next week, but we do this week. Um, and really, it's just prayerfully you understand um, the importance of praying without me uh, really taking another 30 minutes to express that. Um, but but maybe you say, okay, so how? I get that prayer is important, but how should I pray? And I think there, there are a lot of great models laid out in the Bible. Uh, I told you there are times that just, just copy in the prayers of those who went before us. Uh, Luther has some of the deepest and greatest prayers uh, that, that you can find. And you're like, God, I just, I, this. I want this to be true in my life, too. Um, you can go in the Bible and you can read some of Paul's prayers. You can go in the Bible, you can go to the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is just a great model for, for this process. But, but about 7,000 years ago, I, found, I was taught this, this practice. And it's the acronym ACTS. A-C-T-S. Right? And some of you are like, oh, I know this one. All right? Don't tune me out. Just listen. All right? So, so we're, 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 let me gift it to you. All right? So the first step of Acts, as we talk about how do I pray, the first thing that I do is I bring in adoration. I bring in adoration. God, you are so good. God, you are so kind. God, there are none that can compete with you. And you start with adoration because what it does is it, it gives you a proper view of God. I adore you. Now, if we don't adore him, then, then we know right there there's something, there's something off in our hearts. So we start with, ad, with adoring him. Then we go to see we go to confession. Now this isn't, this isn't to, to beat you up. This isn't to, to make you feel worse than you may, may already feel. But we confess these things because it gives us a proper view of ourself. Right? It, it, it isn't us walking in saying, God, you're so welcome that I'm here before you. It's, it's walking in saying, God, I adore you. And because of my adoration of you, I know there is sinfulness that's growing inside me. I know there's a battle for my heart. And I confess. And that confession can be easy at times. If we're just truly honest with ourselves. So we bring in confession and because of that, the next thing in T, we bring in thanksgiving. And what this does, if adoration gives us a proper view of God, and if confession gives us a proper view of ourselves, thanksgiving will give us a proper view of our relationship. That, that, that I am alive to tell this story of what you have done, and I thank you. We are increasingly a society of thanklessness. We are increasingly a society of ex expectation. And so we come in and we say, God, I adore you. And I confess there are times that my heart is not 100% yours, but I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you have gifted me. I thank you that you've given me purpose. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. And you, you could just go days with that. Then we get to 
S, supplication. Which is just short of saying, hey God, this is, this is what I need. This is what I need. It gives me a proper view of my needs. I got, I, I, and that could be a relational need, that could be an emotional need, that could be a physical need, that could be a seasonal need. And it's interesting, I wonder, I wonder how often if we, if we looked at the balance of our prayers, how long we spend with supplication and how little time we spend with adoration. And this is, this is what we find in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, hey, just pray and it's going to happen. It doesn't do that. But it will say the prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Jesus will say that when you pray, whatever you ask for in my name, it'll be given. So there's a refinement that goes to this process of, of prayer. And I believe it starts with adoration. I think it moves us to confession. I think it moves us towards thanksgiving. And then finally it moves us into supplication. God, I need, this is what I need. And it's remarkable. It's remarkable to me how often in what I, when I say, God, this is what I need, how His Holy Spirit will come in and say, no, that's not, that's not really what you need. So what are you really trying to get at? What are you really trying to ask? Whose glory are you really trying to pursue? Seriously, we've just spent 35 minutes on prayer. I feel like we all should have a certificate, right, at the end of this. But it means nothing. Prayer means nothing if the people of God aren't willing to put it into practice. Our desire this week is to love God by loving people. So we wrap up. Let me make a couple things available. If you need prayer today, we didn't have time to talk about the prayer of the church and how we support one another through prayer. If you need prayer today, there's going to be some people over here on this side. They would love to pray with you. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, that's the first step of all good prayers. We would love to share with you our story about what He has done to rescue us. And then lastly, if you want to take some time and respond to God and God's love through communion, we have some elements available. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You love us and we thank You that You care for us. And I pray that You would help us be people of prayer. That our hearts would be Yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys sing with us as we close. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer, my blessing, redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my for all my days and you stay
You guys are dismissed. Have a blessed week.